Welcome to the podcast of Grace Crossing Church, where life and faith intersect. Now, today we are continuing our series, uh, Journeying and Following the Disciples, Following the Resurrection of Jesus. Uh, for the next 40 days following the resurrection, Jesus appeared to his disciples in many different places and at many different times. Uh, and this morning, we're going to return to John's Gospel, chapter 20, uh, and we're going to talk about an emotion that we perhaps uh, think very little about, we speak very little about, uh, but it's a really important emotion that we find in Scripture. You know, often when we talk about being an emotionally healthy church, we, we, we think about some of the emotions that are more difficult, and that's important for us, that we know how to do sadness and anger and fear and shame. Those are all really important. But there's another aspect to that. There is happiness and gladness. And what I want to talk about this morning, I want to talk about joy. In fact, the title of today's talk is simply this, that faith replaces our fear with joy. Faith replaces our fear with joy. One verse to be catalyst for today's talk is found in John chapter 20, verse 20. As Jesus spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hand and his side. They, the disciples, were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. These were the very same disciples that we talked about last weekend. Just a few moments earlier, they were huddled together in a room. Lights off, doors locked, shuddering in fear. But now, just moments later, they are no longer fearful. Instead, they are joyful. Overwhelming joy had filled their hearts. Unspeakable joy had filled this room that was once filled with fear, almost taking their breath away. And now joy has replaced fear. Today's big idea is really simple. As Jesus becomes real to me, Fear fades and joy emerges. As Jesus becomes real to me, fear fades and joy emerges. What I found in my own life is that real joy makes joy real. And until we experience Jesus, we don't experience real joy. But it is real joy that makes joy real. As I begin this morning, uh, this talk, I I want to share a parable with you. It is a parable that was I was first introduced to all the way back in 1982 when I attended a spiritual retreat called a Lay Witness Mission Weekend. It was at that retreat where I had an encounter with Jesus. It was a pivotal moment in my life that was transformational and set me on a brand new trajectory that I've never looked back on. And I remember this parable was very instrumental in my life. Now, it's not a parable that's found in Scripture, but it's a, a parable that's built on the, the principles and, the, and the, the premises that we find in Scripture. It is a modern-day parable called the parable of Desert Pete. I want to share it with you this morning. Many years ago, a weary traveler hiked for miles across the sands of a desert with the hot sun beating down on his back. His water supply was gone, and he knew surely that if he didn't find water soon to quench his thirst, he would die. In the distance, he saw a small, deserted shelter. This brought hope that 
that he find the water he so desperately needed. Summoning his remaining strength, he made his way to the shelter. When he finally arrived, he found no one, but he did find an old water pump. At once he grabbed the handle and began to frantically pump, but pump as he might, he was not able to pump even out a drop of water. Then he noticed a tin baking powder can tied to the pump. Inside the can was a note. He removed the note and he began to read. Dear stranger, this pump is all right as of June 1932. I put a new washer in it and it should last for quite a few years. But the washer dries out and the pump has to be primed. Under the white rock, I buried a jar of water out of the sun and corked it. There's just enough water in the jar to prime the pump. But if you take a drink first, there won't be enough. You need to pour about one-fourth of the jar into the pump and let her sit a minute to soak the leather washer. Then pour the rest in medium fast and pump like crazy. You will get water. Have faith. I have never known this pump to run dry. Signed, Pete. Now, there are several things that are going on with this tired, weary traveler. First, he is filled with fear. He is feeling like his life is about to come to a rapid end. Secondly, he is desperate. He is desperate for water, and he's even more desperate for hope. I think he's a lot like many of us today that are experiencing our shelter in place and our physical distancing. If you've been outside lately, like I was this past week, doing a little shopping, uh, it's, kind of, it's kind of surreal. Um, it's a little startling, to be quite frank with you. It doesn't even look like we're living in the United States of America. But the reality is we are. We're in the middle of a major global pandemic that has now affected all of us. And many of us are filled with fear and many of us are filled with hope, a sense of desperation for some hope. And so this morning, like the disciples, I'd like to, to talk for just a few moments here about how we can shift from a fear-based to a joy-based relationship with Jesus, just like the disciples did. How can we move from a fear-based to a joy-based relationship with Jesus? Well, there are three things I, I want to encourage us to do today. First of all, shift your focus from me to be. From me to be. Romans 12, 12, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Did you know one of the ways that you can define that word be is simply as exist? So let me reread Romans 12, 12. Exist joyfully in hope. Exist patiently in affliction. Exist faithfully in prayer. When Jesus finds the disciples on the first, first night after his resurrection, they are literally non-existent. They're no longer present with Jesus emotionally. 
They had cut their losses and they had moved on. They were not merely in lockdown, they were also locked up. And as a result, they had locked Jesus out. Fear had them focused on one thing and only on one thing, me. What if those who killed Jesus find me? What's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to me? What's going on in me? Me, me, me. Not sure if you've been hearing what I've been hearing lately, but I've been hearing a chorus of me and my. What about my rights? What about my kids' education? What about my freedoms? What about my conveniences? And here's the deal. Whenever my focus is on me, I fail to simply be. God has called us to be joyful. God has called us to be patient. God has called us to be prayerful. That is how we exist as followers of Jesus. So if we're going to move from a fear-based relationship to a joy-based relationship with Jesus, we've got to shift from me to be. And secondly, we've got to feed our faith and starve our fear. I want to encourage you today to feed your faith. But I also want to encourage you to starve your fear. Perhaps you've heard this phrase made famous by legendary management consultant and writer Peter Drucker. He said, culture eats strategy for breakfast. I like that. By that, Drucker does not deny the existence of strategy or even the importance of it. Instead, he makes the point that strategy is trumped by culture. So let me reframe that today. Faith eats fear for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Listen, inviting God into your fears is an act of faith. Because fear is always tied to circumstance. But joy, on the other hand, is always tied to Jesus. Listen, we are not the first generation to be experiencing a global crisis, and we certainly will not be the last. In fact, throughout Scripture, we read of God's people going through crisis some much greater than what we're experiencing currently. The Bible nowhere promises us an easy life, but it does promise us an overcoming life. The Bible assures us that faith always triumphs over fear. So I want to urge you today to feed your faith, and by doing that, starve your fear. And then here's the third thing, to move from a fear-based to a joy-based relationship with Jesus. You've got to pour your energy into God's kingdom and not your happiness. Pour your energy into God's kingdom and not your happiness. Romans 14, 17 says that the kingdom of God is not about eating and drinking, but it is a matter of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now notice that the Bible nowhere advises us to seek happiness. But the Bible certainly talks a lot about joy. And joy is quite different from happiness. Joy is not happiness. They are not synonymous. 
Happiness, like fear, is highly circumstantial, but not so with joy. Joy is an attitude made possible by and through Jesus Christ. When life spins out of control, we are certainly not happy with that. We're not happy about it. But joy is still possible even when your world is spinning. That's why James, the half-brother of Jesus, who wrote the epistle of James, said this in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You know, what we often want to do is we want to shortchange. We want to uh, find shortcuts uh, to the trials and the tribulations and the various testings that we go through. That's why the Bible tells us that we are called to persevere and to let perseverance finish its work. Because listen, God is doing something in us and through this during this season of time. And the question is, how is God coming to you? What is God doing in you? What are God's invitations to you right now? Listen, don't cut them short. Don't shortchange them. Let them finish their work. Let perseverance finish its job so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Whenever we become impatient and don't allow a process to complete, we risk doing unintended damage to the process of our maturity in Christ. This morning, I want you to hear the story of a, a lady in our church who's been going through a tremendous period of trials of many kinds. But in the midst of all of it, she is finding Jesus, and with it, she is finding joy. I want you to hear her story, the story of Susan Cooney, and I want you to open your hearts here in just a moment as she shares with us, and let's let God speak to us about how we too are called to consider it all joy whenever we face trials of many kinds. So in 2015, God moved our family to Ohio and specifically, as we in this journey have found, specifically to Beaver Creek, Ohio. Um, that started a journey for me personally. Um, I was really having a hard time with the move. I know God moved us because Things were being taken away from us in California, and it just felt this momentum that was outside of us was making us go. And uh, and we said yes, and I said more yes reluctantly than Brian did, but I still said yes. I knew I could see the vision Brian was casting that we would have a better opportunity in Ohio for our family. And so that started a journey for me where, um, I went through a really hard time, harder than I'd ever experienced. And what ended up happening in 2016, 2017 roughly, we got introduced to Grace Crossing Church. I got connected with Marcy Lewis's God-filled Bible study. And going through the Bible study every week, I was able to have enough space to process what I was going through, which I really had no idea what I was going through. I would have panic attacks. Uh, at one point I had left uh, the GCC main sanctuary, went out to the minivan and just couldn't catch my breath. 
And I never experienced that before. And uh, I know I worried Brian um, because he didn't know what was happening either. But week after week, going into Marcy's Bible study, just them giving me the space to process what was going on, I finally identified, well, I didn't, Jesus did, that I was grieving. Because in my mathematical brain, um, it's an equation where the word grief equals sign death. Um, but in, in my processing of what was happening with me, I came to the realization that grief equals loss. And I was experiencing a ton of it. I was experiencing the loss of my identity. I had retired from the military of 25 years worth of service right before we got to Beaver Creek. Um, I was grieving my mom so that instead of seeing my mom when I wanted to, now I, I can only count the visits we would see each other by years instead of days or weeks. I was grieving the fact that I didn't realize I had done this, but I had made California my source for all things. I didn't do it on purpose. I didn't say, you know, all my energy comes from California. All that I need comes from California. But I had. I had placed California as my source for um, my professional life, um, my motherhood, my family. It just all was wrapped in that. And when that core value got removed, that loss. Um, I still haven't experienced a big death in my family, but that loss coming from California to Ohio is probably as close to a big death for currently than I was experiencing. So that was the beginning of a journey um, that I didn't really even know I was going to be on. And so thanks again to Marcy's um, spirit-filled Bible study, I came to the realization I was grieving and I wasn't going to be okay that day or the next day. And I was still going to have panic attacks. I was still going to be really sad and unable to do laundry some days and take care of the children. But I was going to be okay. I was on a road. I had identified what was going on. So after I went through that process um, and just kind of understood how to grieve well with Jesus walking, and leading me, sometimes crawling with me on the floor. Um, it really set me up with what was gonna come in late 2019. And that was my breast cancer diagnosis that rocked my family. Um, it really put death for me so close. And the thought of possibly I always had the um, assumption I was going to see my kids grow up. I'm an older parent, but I, I, you know, I didn't know if I'd see my grandkids, but I just always assumed I was entitled to see my children grow up, see their weddings, see their milestones. And with that diagnosis, all that got put in doubt. And so we started our journey as a family uh, down the scary, scary road. And it took a left turn into uh, what I call a Jesus spot, <laughs> a mysterious spot uh, on my spine between my uh, vertebrae six and vertebrae seven in my neck is unidentifiable. We didn't know if that was cancer too. 
We didn't know if that was related to my breast cancer. And that, I mean, I already felt like the breast cancer was putting me close to death. I felt like that whatever was showing up in my neck was a death sentence. Like, and I'm done. I'm done. I'm, if I'm not done uh, with my life, I'm done with my abilities. I will now be paralyzed if we try to address this situation. So I just gave it to God because that's all I could do. That's all I could do. Um, during the process, I ended up going through six rounds of chemo, which you talk about suffering. <laughs> suffering, chemo is suffering. Chemo is what sometimes people refer to as the big C. They consider breast cancer or any cancer is the little C and chemo is the big C because you, I felt healthy um, even though I had breast cancer, but when I went through chemo, I did not feel healthy at all. Losing hair, damaging fingernails, all kinds of fun stuff happening to my body and uh, trying to be a mom and trying to think clearly with a, a foggy brain. Uh, all the while, my wonderful husband, Brian, going through his own journey with this. And well, you know, I'll let him talk about what he's gone through. So what I did find though, when I came out of spine surgery, which was terrifying, it put me in the uh, operating room in tears, hoping and praying that the ceiling, the white stark ceiling of the operating room was not going to be the last that I would see, um, that I would get to see my kids again, that I would get to hear my husband's voice again. And so I cried, the anesthesia kicked in, and the next thing I knew I was done with the surgery, going down a hall briskly, I can't even see, but hearing my husband's voice and completely grateful that I was alive, that I was giving the grace and mercy for more time, more time with my children, more time with my family that I, I did not deserve, but I was given it abundantly. And that's where the joy came, this unbelievable joy that it doesn't make any sense to have joy and suffering. I know the Bible talks about it all the time, but it doesn't make any sense. But that was a turning point after that spine surgery for me that I'm just grateful and overjoyed to have abundance, to have life, to wake up another day and know in hours, I'm gonna hear my kids' voices, I'm gonna see their faces, and I'm going to do life with my wonderful husband. So there, I'm here to tell you, there is joy in the suffering. And my journey isn't done. I'm only halfway through. I still have um, a lumpectomy to go through. I still have rounds of radiation to go through. And oddly enough, I'm actually looking forward to the radiation because I know this joy that's going to come out of it. This, I can't even explain it, joy. You know, and, and Jesus talks about that in Hebrews. He talks about it, Hebrews 12, 2, where it says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy suffered the cross scorning sin and death 
and seated at the right hand throne of God. He knew the joy that was going to come. Even willing to suffer the cross. I didn't suffer the cross. I mean, chemo sucked, but I didn't suffer the cross. I didn't suffer thorns in my head and nails in my hands and a spear up my side, you know, but he knew that was all coming, but he knew the joy that was going to come with it. And I just wanted to share that there is, I didn't want to suffer through this, but there is an unbelievable joy that I'm just so grateful to get to experience that I surrender all gladly because I know God is good. God is good and the joy that he provides in and through our suffering, I know I can finish this cancer race successfully with my family and that we can, we can be happy and we can be blessed and we can be just fearfully and wonderfully made. So I hope you all don't have to go through cancer, but I hope you all get to enjoy and just be filled and know that God is good. He doesn't create cancer or COVID-19, but he attunes our hearts to him for his glory, the expansion of his kingdom, and for our good. Thank you. Wow, what a truly powerful story of choosing joy over fear. It would have been so easy for Susan to become fear-based, and she's had her moments, certainly, of that. But she has chosen to accept the joy that comes from Jesus in the midst of her trials. And I just think it's powerful to hear someone that's walked through trials of various kinds and yet has chosen joy. And so uh, as we close this morning, in just a few moments, after this closing song, I would urge you to listen to the entirety of their testimony. I'd, I'd want you to hear all of the story and hear from Brian. It's powerful. You can actually go to our description. There's a link there, and you can listen to their story following our service today. It's well worth the watch. Now, as we close this morning, let me circle back to the parable the parable of Desert Pete. I want to ask you two questions today, and I, I offer them to you and ask you to hold them prayerfully as we, as we close. Here's the first question. Have you exchanged eternal life for immediate pleasure? The weary, tired traveler was tempted to take the water and drink of it himself, and yet he, he chose to pour it on the washer, to pour it on the pump, so that he could get rivers of living water flowing. The Bible likens our faith to that. That when we give our life to Jesus, rivers of living water begin to flow through us and in us and out of us. And that's the offer, is that, it, that if we will uh, choose eternal life over immediate pleasure, that God uh, will fill us with his joy and his peace and his love, and then we'll experience life everlasting. The second question is, is your relationship with God more fear-based or joy-based? Is your relationship with God more fear-based or joy-based? Do you serve God out of fear? Uh, have you given your life to God out of fear? Or are you choosing to live in the joy 
of seeing Jesus, of knowing him, of hearing him, and of walking with him. The Bible tells us that it is God's joy that is the strength of our life. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And so the Bible tells us that we will have joy unspeakable and full of glory and full of God when we actually yield our hearts fully to him. So this morning, may Jesus continue to free you from fear and fill you with joy, his joy, as you place your trust in him. We love you. We're thankful that you've joined us today. God bless you. And may God keep you. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Grace Crossing Church, including service times and directions, check us out on the web at www.gracecrossingchurch.net. We hope to see you at one of our upcoming weekend worship gatherings. Have a great day.